0: I'm Molly O'Connor and I'm Sarah Connell Sanders and you're listening to Poppin. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Welcome back. Yes. How was your first week at school?
1: It was so good. Um, it's such an adjustment for me just to like be waking up that early and then working all day, but otherwise good. Uh, I this happens to me every year. I'm sure I brought it up last year too. The, after like the first week or two weeks of school, my throat is always like help. <laughs> It's not used to projecting so much on a daily basis,
0: right? Well, and not to mention with the mask.
1: Yes, right. Exactly. It's like that plus,
0: oh, yeah. And so I'm a little scratchy, but I'm feeling good. How was yours? It was good. I work in an amazing building, but I feel like we're constantly, what's the thing everyone's saying, building the plane while we're flying it, you Mm -hmm. know? It's like when I started, there were 600 kids. Now there are 680 And last year, most of them were remote for the majority of the year, and then we did hybrid, and then we were, like, almost full capacity. But this feels like my first week of school in many ways, like, in a long time. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I agree with that. Even you
1: talked about uh, or you mentioned, like, building the planes as it's flying, and it sounds like, like, talking even with teachers in other buildings that after last year, it almost just feels like everything needs to be –
0: You know, played around with. I love that though. There's entire industries based around change management. And I think we've all been shaken up so much in the last year that everyone is susceptible to change now. We're like, okay, life is going to be different. So people that were real curmudgeons are going to be forced. Yeah. And the idea, I think last year, just the loss
1: of control at such a rapid pace, like every day something could change. Mm -hmm. Every week something could change. Um, I think that's made a lot of
0: Folks, like you said, not just susceptible
1: to change, but more open to it.
0: Totally. And especially veteran teachers who are experts of the craft but maybe hadn't embraced technology fully are now, like, totally fluid. And it's interesting to see them coming back into their heyday. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I hope my mom won't mind me
1: mentioning her, but (laughs) she is, you know, she's been teaching for, you know, I'm 30, 34. Four, something years 33 34 years um and you know she started to feel like one of those teachers who was sort of like set in her ways and or at least even just like how her room was set up she was like I she's like I looked around after last year where she spent half the year um at home teaching and so she said at the end of the year I looked around and I was like oh my god like I need to rehaul this whole thing mm-hmm. and she said I, I at first she thought it sound it seemed silly because she's like I'm gonna be retiring in a few years. Like, should I redo my whole space? But it, she then, after this week, was like, I felt so much more motivated
0: and excited to, like, be at school. Like, oh, yeah, like, re-energized. The which is great. same goes for the kids, too. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them so excited to be in school. And I know it's the first week, so it's, like. Grace, period, but they are so pumped to be around one another and just like be able to socialize even with masks on. So I'm trying to really ride that wave. Absolutely. And like I have the younger kids who still have recess. And so
1: last year they weren't able to have recess. They were all outside at the same time, but they had to stay kind of in their pods, like with their classes. So they could only play with kids from their classes. And so this week it was so cool. At least yesterday, Wednesday, we got rained out. But yesterday to see every kid in fifth grade with their masks off, because outside they can have their masks off, and just like playing with their friends from all over the place.
0: Oh, I love it. It was just awesome. It was so cool. (laughs) It's a new world out there. Definitely. So let's all be open to change. Mm -hmm. What are we drinking? You brought me a very special treat in in celebration of the first week
1: of school. I stopped at Dead Horse Hill. Talk to our friend Julia Auger. She's a wine queen. Man, um, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, I just want something with bubbles because we're like celebrating, as Sarah said, the first week of school. So it is the, it's Falistra. It is um, a Lambrusco, which is like a sparkling red, which is very trendy right now, mm-hmm. according to our friend Joy. Yeah, Joy Flan always keeps um, us up on the yes, trends. But Julia gave us a beautiful like pale, it's almost like a pinkish, cloudy pinkish, Lambrusco and it's it's really nice it's refreshing mm. it's a Friday yes. afternoon one.
0: it is it's a Friday afternoon I one. guess it's evening it's six o'clock Absolutely. now but, but six thirty yeah.
1: <laughs> but we are we're celebrating that we're also it is September which means that something very exciting is happening at the end of this month
0: yes okay September 30th is our first live show Ooh. I do I think we'll talk <laughs> about this but I feel a little conflicted about being like woohoo! I know it's weird the the content of it is kind of sensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I even, I missed up last time when we were teasing it a little. I was talking about when Maggie Bish came into my classroom and gave the most beautiful talk to a group of eighth graders. And I was like, and she's going to be on our live show, but it's not Maggie Bish. It's her daughter, Heather. so Molly's sister. Yes. Um, do you want to just like share when you and, must have been two thousand. Like a flashbulb memory. Yeah. What? Yeah. How did you learn about Molly Bish and how did her name come to be familiar to yes. you?
1: So, if you right, so a lot of you, if you are local, probably will remember this story or at least remember Molly's name. And if you're not, we're gonna do a little kind of overview of the of what happened to her. Um, but yeah, in the year two thousand, so I was ten years old, a st- very impressionable age of being like, you know, kind of old enough where I'm like. I'm going to middle school soon, but also a kid, like very much a kid. And um, in the year 2000, Molly went very famously went missing. Um, She was, I think, 16. Yeah. And essentially, like, you know, without even remembering details, I can I vividly remember just seeing like this one particular picture of Molly who had gone missing. And I remember she was a lifeguard. Um, She had been dropped off at work. We're going to go into a little bit more of the story, but just knowing what had happened, it was really scary to me. She had been dropped off at work and then was not seen after that, essentially, is what happened. Um, And there was one particular picture that, you know, a lot of times when children and adults go missing, there's sort of one photo that gets plastered everywhere. And I remember it so well where it was like a school portrait and she had her hair sort of like. Was done. And she looked like, so, like, of the time, right? Like, just a a teenager in the year 2000.
0: Flannel shirt. Flannel shirt, yep. Boot cut jeans. Yep. And middle part. Mm -hmm. Blondie. This is what I remember. Oh, yeah.
1: There was another one where she looks, yeah, when she's a little bit older. Looks like, it almost
0: looks like a senior picture, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, She was going into her senior year. Yeah. When this happened.
1: Yep. And so it's been, like, imprinted in my mind. Just, like, her name. Right. Her name and then the story. And I was young enough, though, at the time to not necessarily get a lot of the details of it. So this is for you guys. And it's also a little bit for me. Sarah and I are going to sort of walk through not what actually happened because we really still don't know what actually happened, but what we know as far as from the year 2000 to today.
0: And for me, this was like a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. I was 13, so I was about to start my lifeguard training, and this was the lifeguard that was abducted. And so... Mm -hmm. I imagine in every lifeguard training class across the state, people brought up Molly Bish and my class certainly did. So to put a real person to this like lore that existed when I was in my teenage years is really important, I think. But it's also really sad. And I've been listening to some podcasts and things that go through her story and it kind of is painful because they're not they're treating it like it's this who done it or something and i was like oh man i met her mom this is like such a painful terrible occurrence absolutely i think like with the
1: culture that we have right now of true crime being just uh ubiquitous it's everywhere mm-hmm. right and i think in a lot of cases there that folks do handle it with care but i think there are times especially just um because it is everywhere where there are situations where it does get treated sort of just as you know like a myth or a legend almost when like these are real people
0: yeah well and I think I've read in the New York Times they did a good article about like why women are so drawn to true crime and it's because we're grown up To live in fear, right? Like, oh, as a young woman, you really shouldn't be in the woods by yourself. Right. Whereas a man can go trail running and that kind of thing. And so women become obsessed with these horror stories because you're trying to justify all the limitations you've put on yourself. And that's why this is such a big genre right now. Absolutely. It's it's totally empowering, but it's like very gentle territory where I don't want to do it wrong. Sure. And we're going to talk to her sister in real time. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we're respectful. So this is some background. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And I hope for both of us, it keeps us from asking any insensitive questions. Absolutely. All right, so as a a person, because I think a lot of Molly Bish coverage is specifically about her abduction, but she was a softball player, a basketball player. Her favorite sport was soccer. She became a lifeguard because her brother was a lifeguard at the same pond where she worked. Which is
1: very typical
0: Yeah, siblings, right? He, like, passed down his uh, position almost. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a very small pond, too. There's a lot of aerial shots of it that make it look so quaint. Which is, and it's in Warren, right? Which is only a few
1: towns away from Worcester. It's not terribly far from here.
0: A lot of the coverage, the national coverage, paints Warren as like this little New England town, like the Gilmore Girls or something, but that's not Warren. No. There's definitely a diverse socioeconomic spread. It's an old factory town. I was going to say, I I remember driving through Warren um, when I would head out to like
1: visit my cousin at UMass amherst and thinking it did look rundown
0: yeah it definitely the same way as worcester it's like a gateway community Mm -hmm. where they were booming at some point during the industrial revolution but now we're a long way gone and so there's a lot of infrastructure that is not being utilized anymore sure um she loved shopping for shoes i really like that detail for a 16 year old specific too yeah Yeah, and it was in her obituary and everything. She had just gone to prom with a boyfriend. Um, One thing I remember her mom saying was just that in middle school, kids can often not include someone, and that makes it easy to cope with your own insecurities. And she always wanted to make people feel like they were part of the crew, which is really nice. That is, yeah. And I think that um, specifically,
1: like I can imagine, I remember when I was in middle school that, to me, like rings so real, Mm
0: -hmm. like the
1: idea of like, there was always like a circle that you couldn't get into. Right. Or like that someone couldn't break into. Um, and so being that person, I think really makes you stand out.
0: Yeah. Where you welcome people in Mm -hmm. and, I love this more than maybe anything else, but she had just convinced her dad to get her tongue pierced because she was like, "Dad, I promise I won't get any tattoos or piercings until I'm forty-five. If you just let me get my tongue pierced now, I had never heard that. But it's such like a two-thousands thing, isn't it? Yes, like the year two-thousands. Yeah, that was
1: especially as like thinking of like who we saw her as, like you know, a girl in a in like a short sleeve plaid, like button up you know like yeah she you, looks like a nirvana ima- girl I was to say you can imagine her at like a van's warp tour War. yes oh 100% <laughs> yeah
0: so while she was a little kid living in Warren a girl was abducted in Sturbridge which is just a couple towns away from that um I didn't know this story her name was Holly Perrin and it's just uh, the only reason I bring it up is that it kind of demonstrates her empathy and compassion that This girl gets abducted. She learns about it as a 10-year-old and is like, oh, man, I'm also 10. I want to acknowledge the the pain that her family's going through. And she writes a letter to the family and says, I'm very sorry. I wish I could make it up to you. Holly is a very pretty girl. She's almost as tall as me. I wish I knew Holly. I hope you found her. Molly Bish, age 10. That's uh, haunting, oh my I think, God. right? Yeah, well, I just wouldn't have the wherewithal as a 10-year-old to do something like that.
1: Right. That was the age I was right when she went missing, and I remember feeling scared by it and alarmed by it. Um, but, right, I don't think that I would have been like, oh,
0: I got to, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to write a letter to Molly's family. It's definitely a sign of maturity, but also… Alarming. And something that I read, and I wasn't able to confirm this with a second source, so I say it, you know, just as a— ooh. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Thank you. Her family moved here from Detroit because they were looking for, like, a small New England town to raise their kids. Is this Molly's family? Um, And they said what motivated their move from Detroit was somebody was abducted, a little girl— from the area where they were living. And they were like, this isn't where we want to raise our kids. Sure. So I just, I thought that was also kind of haunting. Absolutely. Her older sister, Heather Bish, was her best friend at the time. And they both had kind of gotten to the age where they were getting older and could finally be friends. Neither of us really have siblings, but I definitely saw it with other girls that I was friends with, where it can take a while.
1: Um, And I think teenage years are when... Uh, especially sisters can really find each other as far as going through, you know, whatever they're going through.
0: Yeah. But if you both like hit a certain level of maturity and then you're able to manage one another's personality, yeah, or maybe you're
1: able to see each other less as, you know, like a, like in a competitive way. Cause I think a lot of Mm -hmm. siblings, not
0: just sisters do that too. So she had just been confirmed, Molly, um, and Heather was her sponsor. Mm -hmm. Confirmed Catholic. Yeah. That's very sweet. The day came June 27th, and she was supposed to be at the pool at – Or sorry. She was supposed to be at the pond at 10 a.m. You're projecting yourself. I know. Into this. Her mom drops her off, and she's already running a little late because she had found out that a friend of hers was in a car accident that same day and she decides she's still going to go to work. Like she has to teach swim lessons. She's going to show up, but she's definitely distracted. Absolutely. And I have to wonder too,
1: like when I am in a, um, my head's in a space like that, sometimes for me, you know, we're teachers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for me, I say, you know what? It's going to be great out to see the kids,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: To um, interact with them and to be educating and to just be like, In that world for a little while.
0: And have structure in your day. Absolutely. Right. So that
1: can help sometimes to just keep your mind off of something that's upsetting you or making you feel
0: stressed. 100%. Her mom would drop her off every day. And the day before, something kind of strange had happened that Maggie hadn't given a lot of thought to. But there was this white car… And there was a man in a mustache smoking a cigarette in, like, kind of a peculiar way looking at the lifeguard stand. And they had made eye contact. And that's why she remembers him so vividly. And she was like, who is this weirdo sitting next to the pond looking at the lifeguard stand when I'm about to drop off my 16-year-old daughter? So that day she had stayed. Mm -hmm. Next day they get there. They're in a rush. Swim lessons are supposed to start at 10. And no one one else is really there, right? No one's there. They're running a little late. And there's a work crew like doing some work on the parking lot or whatever. And so Maggie leaves her off. Um and just no one at the prom on the at the pond proper.
1: But like people are
0: nearby, people are around. but not. Yeah. Yeah. And she's 16 too. I think of what I did at 16 sure. by myself,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine the reason that seeing that guy was odd was probably because. A pond like that is technically a public park, right? So it's not open until lifeguards, I'm assuming, are present. Right, right. Like not open, open for swimming. Yes, yeah. yeah. so, right, not So like that makes it particularly out where you're just like it's, you know, you can't even do
0: anything until. Exactly. But um, when people arrive for swim lessons, there's not a lifeguard there. Her shoes are there. There's a first aid kit that's open, which is interesting. And later people think like, did somebody ask her for help to right. lure her? And it, this is only a a fifteen minute window. Fifteen minutes, yeah. And so witnesses later say that they saw this white car, which Molly Bish's mom had seen the day before, or a white car, right? Yeah, that's a great point. It's a white car because in the even in the description
1: um, of this of that of the gentleman or of that car, it is an unidentified like maker model. Um, because I think. You know, you remember the face that you made eye contact with, and you remember, like, you know, you see a white car. But even if – I think a lot of times um, your memory does trick you, right? And so, like, maybe you thought you saw an SUV. Maybe you thought you saw a sedan. Um, So we know that it's there's a white vehicle, but we're not sure. I mean, like, it's –
0: is it likely the same one? That's a great point because I I literally – I just spent days looking through all of the articles and, like – Reading through old posts and everything mm-hmm. and different theories. And never once in that time did I think, like, maybe there were two white cars. You never know, right? Yeah. That's not absurd.
1: Uh, absolutely. Knowing that in the official posting saying, like, we are looking for, you know, this composite person, um, mm-hmm.
0: it, it says that it makes clear, like, unknown maker model. So the parents, one of them, like, takes charge Everyone shows up for some lessons. One of the moms is like, I'll be the lifeguard. I'll sit in the chair. Whatever. They call the police eventually and just say, you know, there's no lifeguard here. I don't even know if they call the police. Maybe town officials and then eventually the police come. But it's hours and hours before they tell the parents that Molly didn't show up to work. Right, And it's curious to me because if there's – right, of
1: course. If there's no one there, you might just assume someone called in sick that day. Or like maybe someone –
0: Maybe if it's teenagers, right, maybe they just decided they didn't want to go to work that day. I don't think it's nefarious or anything. I'd be like, oh, she's with her boyfriend. Well, but, right, but but wasn't her stuff there? Her stuff is there. So the last thing they remember is, I mean, she was dropped off wearing a blue bathing suit, a pink tank top, a headband, and a pair of boxer shorts, which was such a 2000s thing, too, that you would wear these, like, light shorts. You could buy them from American Mm -hmm. Eagle, these, like, They were sold in the women's department, but they were labeled, like, boxer shorts. Yes, and you
1: would, like, a lot of the times, I think you would fold them over. Yeah, you'd fold them over. And
0: so when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's so familiar. Right. They finally called the police. The next day, she's still not back. And so all night, her parents are, like, really struggling, obviously. And Maggie, her mom, had told me that she spent the night sleeping in her daughter's bed because she was, like, so distraught. And she woke up in the middle of the night and, like, they keep going back outside, she and the sister, to be like, maybe someone will just realize their mistake and drop her off at her house or something. And she said at one point she just started, like, howling at the moon like an animal. She was so upset, so distraught that her daughter, like, was clearly not coming back. And it, it didn't feel as if she disappeared they contacted all the friends the boyfriend the boss everyone and no one knows where this girl is like very honestly genuinely so no one in her close like family or friend circle was a suspect right yeah they the first two people they bring in for questioning are the boyfriend <laughs> i'm just thinking the poor little 16 year old he's like and um also the boss to find out more about like where she was meant to be and both of them clearly are not people of interest so there's i was to say there's not and have alibis there's not immediately no two days later there are 200 searchers out looking for molly it becomes this huge campaign in warren and businesses are printing up posters it's all over the national news they find like Tire tracks, but nothing comes of it. It's really off from tire tracks, right? Yeah. And eventually it becomes the largest and most expensive search for a missing person ever undertaken in Massachusetts.
1: I believe that. I can't think of anyone that has been as extensive, I will say, without
0: coming to some kind of conclusion, right? And so I'm going to show you the poster that all these businesses started printing out. And I was hoping you could like describe it. It's very pink. Yeah, But I think that that's such a um,
1: a tactic to really get to people where it's like this – it's like a young, smiling, teenage white girl, right? Where it's mm-hmm. just like she's – it looks like she's like going to prom, I would say, or some kind of dance. Yep,
0: this is her prom she's a, picture. Yep, she's got
1: a big smile on. And it is – it's such um, – it's – I don't want to – like smart isn't the right word, but it's very shrewd imagery, right? Where it's very pink. It's very – evocative of just like, oh no, we have to find this girl.
0: And the text says who, who killed, killed Molly
1: Bish. Which is very forward.
0: Yes. How soon did this go up? I'm not sure. I think within the like next within month the- they were like pushing hard. So people wow. would be out there searching right through the woods of Warren. You can every almost day. imagine
1: like a movie scene of people like sprawling with like you just see flashlights, right? You know like what? that sort of image kind of pops into my head.
0: I just watched Mirror of East Down too, so I'm mm-hmm. trying not to conflate the two. Sure. Because I'm like, this is real life. Like. <laughs> but you can, you can, you know what yeah. that looks like, right? So then this is the second part. There was a man who was seen by the mom and a number of other people. In the car. They all go, yeah, the guy in the white car. Mm-hmm. They all, like, bring their descriptions mm-hmm. to the police and this sketch is drawn. I don't know how you want to describe that. He, The man in this sketch
1: looks like a minor character from... Scarface, if I am being like, I don't mean to be, back hair. Yeah. Like he's, mustache. the mustache. He's 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 sort of squinting. He has it's there's two sketches in one. He is it's just almost like a quarter profile. And in the other, he's like pulling from a cigarette. And so you get like sort of a clear image of at least like who we th- you know, who we think was seen there. Um, And he the it, the sketch does look the person in that sketch looks suspicious. Oh, yes. But it is. It's a very forward thing. Like, I mean, even just to jump to who killed Molly Bish, right?
0: Because mm-hmm. um,
1: at this point, it's like, I'm sure that the hope is within a month or two months that she's going to she's reappear. Right.
0: The state police within the next week start questioning six or seven different subs- suspects and they set up a hotline. The search keeps expanding and expanding. At the time, the district attorney is John J. Conti. I just remember all the lawn signs. Oh, yeah. But he starts distributing this sketch, and it's based pretty much on Maggie's recollections. And they offer a $20,000 reward for any information about the disappearance. There's something
1: really interesting I thought about this sketch, though. Um, And you mentioned that they were really, like, pulling out every stop for this and how it was so expensive. Um, but the sketch artist was, like, a really notable
0: person. So not this first sketch. Right, but the but, one that they
1: eventually then come out with, right? Yeah,
0: within, like, six months, they the legislature approves $250,000, so that's a quarter of a million dollars, for a budget to pay for a continuing investigation of Molly Bish's abduction. And then the, the reward
1: also goes from $20,000 to $100,000. Yeah. So it's becoming um, increasingly, not, like, it's becoming a, an increasingly desperate search, really.
0: For sure. To the public's eyes, at least. You and know? that's when they contract Jean Boylan, mm-hmm. celebrity sketch artist. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say it like that, but.
1: Well, I mean, like, in the sense that, like, you can say someone's a celebrity chef.
0: Right. Or they are
1: famous for doing the thing that they do, right?
0: So she's, like, um, a resident interviewee mm-hmm. on America's Most Wanted and Unsolved Mysteries. But apparently she does have a very good eye for, yeah. for drawing these sketches of people based on interviews that she does with witnesses. Mm-hmm. I um I kind of would
1: liken her to, like, a celebrity lawyer in the sense of, like, thinking of, like, O.J.'s lawyers, Johnny right? Johnny
0: Cochran. Right. And
1: so just, like, someone who is not a celebrity in the sense that we think of, but a celebrity in their domain. Absolutely. And this sketch is definitely a lot more detailed.
0: Yeah. So this is her sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, And this one is released in, what is it, June? uh, March. So it's a long time. The amount of attention this case got, I cannot overstate. Yes. And we started, I mean, as a 13-year-old, I remember it in the news
1: every day. This is June of the year before, right? June of the year 2000. And then now we're in March of 2001. Yes. So we're not quite a year out, but getting close to a year.
0: And that's a tough year for news too. Just like from a global scale, nine eleven happened.
1: Right. So like later on in the year, we have nine eleven, and then also, I mean, between June of two thousand and March of two thousand one, the entire news cycle is dominated by the Florida recount election.
0: You're right. Yeah. Okay. So so we have right. an, we
1: have a whole thing of Bush and Gore recount, which is making everyone pull their hair out across the country for any number of reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then we still have this hyper-local situation that they are trying to keep attention on because there is a a missing girl.
0: And I only bring up some of the the political climate because Mm -hmm. I just remember how prevalent the story was. Oh, yeah, and
1: it can be really hard to break through once something starts happening that seems to eclipse it, right?
0: Will you read the weird description on the poster? Sure. We
1: have... White male, approximately fifty years old, heavy set, average height. What does that mean? It's very, and it's it's so. So I'm going to stop right there because it's so difficult to, um, not be generic when like there we have a lot of descriptions from like you said it's based mostly off Maggie's description, who's Molly's mother, but then some of the people who also had said that they had seen him right. So like the um, the workers right. We really have, outside of a a facial description, very little to go off of, which is, you know, a challenge. Um, Dark-colored eyes, dark brown hair with gray highlights. So that's the physical description. So now we have seen on Monday, June 26, 2000, at approximately 10 a.m. at, is it Commons or Commons? Do we know? Commons. Commons Pond, Warren, Massachusetts, parking lot, driving a white motor vehicle, unknown year, make, or model. So it is – it's very general at this point. Um, And then beyond that, it's, you know, if you have any information, please call Massachusetts State Police with some information. But we have a white car and we have a face, really. Yeah. And some then very, like, you know, brown hair. So general.
0: Average height. Yeah. Approximately 50. It's tough. (laughs) They bring in a ton of suspects at that point. They give 13 lie detector tests and seven people fail. Which – Then you're like, okay, so what's the control
1: here? Exactly. Um, And a lot of the folks that they had brought in were like local offenders, right? Like sex offenders or people who had 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 charges that maybe just resembled this person, which is – I was thinking of like then you're, you know, I don't know, traumatizing and re-traumatizing a different group of people. Not that those people are – It's I it's it's a tricky situation. And
0: Molly, I just kept thinking when I first started teaching in Auburn, Mm -hmm. which is where, you know, we met teaching in Auburn, they had all the sex offenders from like a 30 mile radius posted Posted. over the copy machine so that you would memorize their faces and know if they were ever on school grounds. Great concept. Not not very enjoyable in the workplace. But also not
1: very enjoyable, but also just not even terribly useful considering like the statistically is these were
0: all level 3
1: right but oh yes which is like that is the most likely to reoffend and the most um like you know they would say dangerous to society but statistically how often do you actually look out on school grounds and see these people right. wandering right um like yes they are considered more likely to reoffend but it's very rare that you actually are gonna like look out in the back of the schoolyard and be like, there he is.
0: You but know? looking at some of these suspects, I was like, I think that was one of the dudes over the copy machine. I'm not And gonna, it probably was. Absolutely. Does Does I'm it not mean that lie. this person abducted Molly Bish, no.
1: Exactly. I looked at the sketch that they had done by this this sketch artist, and it looks like the
0: dad of a girl I grew up with. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so it's you start to – My dad would always say, if one of his dear friends, his name was Dick, and he gave him 5,000 records, he was a radio DJ after he died, and he would always go, you know, I always thought about calling the hotline, but he was such a great guy, but he just looks just like that sketch. It's a general enough sketch
1: that like – Well, in situations like this, this kind of goes back to um, what you were talking about earlier – Uh, which is like the phenomenon of women being really interested in true crime, we get into our own heads about these things too. For sure. People start to see things where they don't exist. and, And it's not just the families and the friends and the detectives. It happens to communities where then people start to... People get a little paranoid. It happened with, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying it happened in this case, yeah, um, but I'm saying in general when stuff like this does happen, that's where we get pan, like a panic from, right? Yeah, moral panic, absolutely. And this is obviously, I'm not applying that to this case, but it is the type of thing where you do start to project. I think your own sort of. Psyche well, you're like, all right, this
0: happened 20 miles from here. What are the odds that I might see this guy? Sure. And then you're looking for him everywhere, you know, and you see him everywhere because yeah. you want to.
1: Absolutely. Because you're like,
0: ah. you know, people then start
1: to feel like I could be the hero. May 19th of 2003, we have some news, though.
0: Yeah. So in May, they find this blue bathing suit. And her dad is specifically like, I remember buying this with her. That's like, This is the bathing suit. suit. Yeah. And it does, it triggers more searching and more fact finding. Um, It's a hunter that finds the bathing suit. And I feel like sometimes hunters do get stigmatized because they're the ones that find all this shit in the woods. Mm -hmm. But it's just because they're the ones walking through the woods off of paths and things like that. Well, and there's two interesting things here, which is um,
1: that it's in Palmer, which is out that way. but Yeah, it's
0: pretty close, I think. It's Let's, not,
1: you know, like at the pond though, right? Yeah. So I think
0: it's five miles. And that
1: would be, something. I think, um, considering some of the things we learned a little bit later, I found it very interesting that we were in Palmer. So I guess
0: Palmer Mass to Warren Mass. So not far. Eleven miles. Yeah. Okay. So that that's farther than I thought. Yep. And then
1: we like Palmer I said Palmer is how
0: you get on the mass
1: pass. Yes. Um, and there are some things, like I said, that we will learn a little bit about. Um, some other findings that make that particular point interesting. But the other thing is that this is announced in May of 2003. And it the actual bathing suit was found late fall 2002. So that's, that's how much they invented this situation.
0: Yeah. And also, he didn't tell anyone. The hunter doesn't tell anyone until much later and, like, mentions it. And somebody's like, oh, well, that Sounds significant. We're supposed to be on the lookout for a blue bathing suit. Right. And it comes to light. But there's a long time between when the hunter sees it in hunting season and then tells for one in the spring. Well, and it's also like, I mean, a lot of the times in the woods, people go
1: camping and they pack bathing suits. They pack yeah, so all kinds of stuff. Like, maybe they are, maybe you're hiking from place to place. A natural area where you would find a bathing yeah. suit. Right. Unless, like, yeah.
0: Um, and it's called Whiskey Hill, this particular spot um, in Palmer
1: mm-hmm.
0: in May. Or later um, that month, yeah. Later that month, they find her
1: headband, and this is in a river in Warren, in the Quabog River in yes. Warren.
0: yeah. She was a student at Quabog, mm-hmm. and they find the headband in the Quabog River.
1: And so we have bathing suit in Palmer, and in, in a river. I mean, that can travel, right. right? And so, but it it starts to bring up questions
0: by early June. They find on this hillside in Palmer human remains right yeah and they find 26 bones in total but like a body has 206 bones so it it just begs the question what what happened what happened (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah,
1: really and so we have right we have palmer we have warren so this is originally these remains are identified as um, a person ages uh, like a female right ages 14 to 20 and then eventually within a week we find out that these bones are identified as Molly Bish's bones.
0: Yeah, they do dental records. They Mm -hmm. find her teeth and they're able Mm -hmm. to confirm it's definitely Molly Bish. Her remains, yep. Um, And then… It's just five miles from her house. Well, so this is
1: different though. We find 26 bones and human remains. We Mm -hmm. find a headband and the bathing suit. So we have Palmer, we have Warren, we have Palmer. And then finally, her body. Her body is found… Five miles from her family's home. Oh, and so we have yes, so we have sort of like a you know a variety of of places where Molly can be traced to at this point, right? Which is very dark to me.
0: Can you imagine? Too so for three years, these people are just not sure. Like maybe their daughter will appear any given day, and they're just living in this like a a state of total flux. Yep, and so they finally have a little bit of resolution. Some kind of
1: closure, right? I always think of um, like those young women who are abducted and kept, right? And who reappear in, you know, 15 years or 20 years. But yeah, you live really just in sort of suspension.
0: Yeah, and hope that she's somewhere and she'll come back Mm -hmm. to us. But on her, what would have been her 20th birthday, they do have a funeral. And it's kind of odd because like I think they had – Talked about the idea of cremation because obviously it's so morose. They're discouraged from that because they want to be able to do DNA testing as technology progresses and like more clues arise. But they have this big funeral at the Cathedral of St. Paul in Worcester, which is right behind the muse, like right near City Hall. Yep. It's a beautiful church. It's a crowded ceremony. Yeah. So there's a picture here. Do you want to describe it?
1: It's like it's one of those aerial photos that um if you've ever been I was going to say to a Catholic church but I feel like most churches have these mm-hmm. but just in the back there's sort of that balcony right mm-hmm. and so it's taken from the the back of the church elevated and you it's it's a very crowded very crowded funeral and it looks like there are a lot of clergy involved beyond so we have like the pallbearers but then even beyond that a lot of um, what looks like the church official, many church officials,
0: and you said crowded, but it doesn't look public, like, right? I don't know. They're, They're crowded not, in the sense of are like people
1: here. Every pew yes, is filled, but definitely not a, Or I wouldn't say yeah, a public event.
0: In the casket is her prom dress, which is so sad, and then also the twenty six. Those moms. remains, and so then this is two thousand three,
1: and so now we have years going by where we know that Molly has been you know, murdered, nothing really happens or we don't hear anything for another five years or so.
0: Yeah. So it's 2008 before a person of interest is identified. And it's this man named Rodney Stranger. And he's living in Florida at the time. Florida man. Or he was truth. from Florida. Well, but he's he, living but in he, Florida when oh, he's the, identified. Oh, but he, he lived in Southbridge. He lived in Southbridge during the time when Molly Bish was abducted. Um. He was a hunter. Um, He had a, a reputation of being violent to all of the women that he had dated. And at the time of her abduction, he was living about a quarter mile from the YMCA where she had gotten her lifeguard certification the year before. The odd part comes when his girlfriend of like 20 years, her name is Crystal. She reaches out to her sister and her sister is completely estranged from her. They haven't talked in years and years. And she says like, listen, I think I'm going to be murdered tonight. And Crystal's like, okay. Like, I haven't heard from you right. in like, so long. She doesn't this know is ridiculous. what's going on necessarily. Clearly there's substance abuse involved. Or you mean the sister says this, right? Yeah. The sister is mm-hmm. just, like, totally distrusting. Like, mm-hmm. who are you and why are you talking to me and telling me you're going to die? You know, I, like, I've probably grieved your loss already. Yep. And here you are coming back into my life. And I'm sure if you have an addict in your life, you know what what that might be like. but. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm going to be murdered by my spouse. And she asks, like, can you contact the Massachusetts authorities? Which is very strange, This right? is from Florida, right? She's in Florida. Yep. Yeah. Crystal is like, this is bizarre. And Crystal told authorities later that she had kept asking about her bird and asking, what's your bird's name? And her bird's name is Molly. Is this the sister or is this Crystal? Crystal is asking about the sister's bird. Like… Excessively. That's interesting. Name Molly. So this can be all coincidence, and these right. people have a history of drug use, and so you're like, sure. this could be anything, right? Yep. But it is something that people took note of that she continues to ask about Crystal's bird. They haven't talked in a long time, and mm-hmm. the bird's name is Molly. Mm-hmm. And the reason, I
1: guess, or I, I wonder, right? The reason that this woman Crystal, who thinks that her a Spouse might like murder her later. And that like night. might be
0: listening. Yeah, right.
1: wants to wants the Massachusetts State Police phone number. I'm guessing because she wants to
0: report. This is the inference something? that a lot of people have made. Sure, we don't know. Okay, right? yep. All right. So this guy's name is Rodney. His brother was Randy, and drove a white Chrysler. It, and the two of them would go fishing regularly on Commons Pond, where Molly was mm-hmm. abducted. So like this is all. It's very fishy. Right, and it and there is.
1: Some kind of even just circumstantial evidence that, like, okay, a white vehicle, right? Yeah, we know
0: about the white vehicle. But, all right, the creepiest part to me is that Randy had already been a person of interest in a missing persons case. And can you guess whose it was? Is it Holly, the girl from nearby? Yeah, it's Holly, who Molly wrote this letter letter to to at age 10. Oh, my God. And said, like, you're so beautiful. I'm so sorry. And, I mean, Sturbridge is also...
1: Close to Warren. Mm. Oh, that area close. is, yeah. right, that area, it's, you know, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to find that the same person or persons were involved, right? Yeah. That wouldn't
0: And be just surprised. as a point of reference, Holly's remains were found in Brimfield, which is, like, where that very famous Brimfield the, Antique Fair and oh, Flea Market yeah. is held. So Randy, he's been reportedly living in a tent in the woods nearby the crime scene where Holly was found, and that's how he became a person of interest, People keep remarking on how much he looks like the sketch and the the photo on his firearms license, like they're posed the same way. And so Hmm. it's just strikingly similar to the sketch that this celebrity sketch artist has made of Molly Bish's abductor. So what do you think of the similarity? Oh, I don't know. It is. It's It's hard to tell. They have a big mustache. I was going to say,
1: there's the mustache definitely looks the same. But then again, it's like, how well can you see someone in a car? How well? I don't know. There's. It's just so hard to say, and but they I they I both mean, have the
0: same kind of jowly look. Absolutely, but it's just like any old dude.
1: Yeah, but again, too, like I wouldn't be surprised if the person uh, who is responsible for you know whatever happened to Molly is also the same person, or at least, or maybe like you know maybe there's. More than one person, even maybe it's Bolt Brothers. Maybe speculating. This is all speculation, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to be clear, well, and but that's, that's kind of the whole thing.
0: It's like it's we just don't have answers. So absolutely. all right, so that's one option. 2011 rolls around, and we meet Gerald Battistoni. 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 Confidential informant number sixty-two for the Eastern Hamden County Narcotic Task Force. So that means this
1: person is, like, someone who is in, involved in the drug trade somehow and is, is basically a narc, right? Totally. So, like, a person who not – you wouldn't say they work undercover mm-hmm. because he's not a police officer. He is someone who – he's a civilian who, like, is involved in the drug trade but who is an informant for the, te- the Narcotic test Force. So he's saying, like, hey, there's going to be – yeah. this is going to happen. Yeah. So, like, that's who this guy is.
0: So the reason he's in prison, though, is because he was – raping a teenage girl who is like the daughter of his spouse at the time which is so messed up mm-hmm. in the 90s but the weirdest part is that that girl lives on Commons Pond Road at the same time of Molly's murder and uh, so they again. start to yeah they start to like think well was he driving by her house or something did he have an obsession with mm-hmm. her And he had been working on a white Chrysler the day of the murder, which is also, like, pretty suspect, right? But didn't have a license and still said that he took a drive to Warren. So this sounds pretty damning, I think. Yes, absolutely. Took it for a spin. He said he took, yeah, he took the white Chrysler for a spin to Warren the day of the murder. I don't know how you resist this. Like, it just fits, right? Yeah, sure. But he attempts suicide after this newspaper article comes out about him as a potential suspect in both girls' deaths, Holly and Molly. Yeah. I mean, that could mean anything, right? Yeah. He had a criminal record that was like just very long and Mm -hmm. he
1: was really well known. But this part, it says he was known to buy drugs. So, like we said, he was, you know, a drug user or, and or, you know, he was selling drugs, whatever. Um, on Whiskey Hill, which is where her body was found. Yeah, some of her remains, right?
0: Yeah, her bones were and found. I,
1: yeah, and looking at this guy, to me, especially the the like final composite drawing, he resembles that even more than our our previous suspect.
0: I don't even like looking at him.
1: Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on. Oy, he this therapy. so this gentleman Gerald Battistoni um, has had since passed away. Uh, you know. In November 2014. In hospital. So you know. Perhaps he was sick. But. He now obviously is. No longer someone that. They could talk to.
0: So this summer. I started to think about this case again. Which is part of the reason that. I reached back out. Mm -hmm. To the foundation. Because. Even though there had been no arrests at all. In the case. They found a new person of interest. In June. Of this year. But. He died in 2016. So I still am not feeling like a sense of closure. Right. He had a 20-page yeah. <laughs> criminal record. Yep. Um, and it does say that they had
1: received new information that led to investigate this person, but we don't know the connection to the Molly Bish case in particular. Right. We only know sort of surrounding, um, some surrounding details. Like you said, like he had a long criminal record. Um
0: he died in, face down. Oh God! In Spen in his Spencer home on May fourth, twenty sixteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Which again is in Spencer's right in that area, yeah. right on the way out there. And
0: they haven't revealed yet, like why they think mm-hmm. he's connected to the
1: case. Yep, we just know all we know is that he's a person of interest. He um, was convicted of ag- aggravated rape uh, and kidnapping, so that follows, right? Like with, mm-hmm. I think I would. I would guess the the profile of the person that we're looking for. Um, I am not an expert. I have only watched a lot of TV shows. A lot of lot. But, like, you know, I would say, okay, that fits the profile of, like, this person that we're looking for. Um, yeah, and then uh, he spent nine to ten years uh, – or he was sentenced to nine to ten years – uh, on the kidnapping charges, 15 18 years on the rape charge. So he had been incarcerated for a while, uh, quite a while, but it says that he, it wasn't clear how long he was incarcerated. Uh, we don't, the public doesn't know. I'm sure that this is information that uh, is held by the district attorney's office, but we are not even sure if he was, this person was out of prison at the time of Molly's disappearance. Right. But I would assume that if they he was investigated, this must have been a gap in his incarceration because it says that he was incarcerated several times in his life. This is a man too who looking at um his photo, his hair is identical.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. It's just like naturally slick yes. in the same.
1: But way. um right as of now, we have some persons of interest. We have some information about not not what happened to Molly, but kind of where She ended up, but outside of that, this is still a a cold case as of right now.
0: I know. So I guess it came back into my purview June 4th when this article came out. It says, in life and in death, legal actions around suspects, Francis Sumner and Molly Bish case. So I'm just going to read a bit from the Telegram and Gazette. It says, while his obituary calls Francis Sumner Sr. a loving father who will be greatly missed by those who knew him, Court records paint a picture of an abusive man who violently raped a young woman and continually harassed his ex-wife, choking and hitting her in front of their younger daughter. Um, It says he was, like, well-known to area police, died alone, face down, Spencer. And then his family proceeds to fight over his estate. Wow. They argue whether his Corvette should be sold. His ex-wife has been denied a Christian burial. Because one of the daughters had authorized cremations. They're all, like, at odds. Interesting. This is the part I wanted to share with you. Mm-hmm. In 1981, Sumner invited a 21-year-old woman to view an apartment he was offering for rent in Auburn. Again, that's where Molly and I met. Yeah. Auburn. It's your your township. <laughs> Just south of Worcester. She'd had a friend's car painted by Sumner at his body shop when he showed her the apartment. Sumner also asked the woman if she would clean it and offered to pay her. She agreed and returned later to do the work. Sumner left her there and later returned, placing $20 on the table before getting in front of her, locking three locks on the door, and forcing her into a bedroom where he turned on a stereo. Um, you can infer the rest. Mm-hmm. It sounds really terrible. And so Sumner served 11 years for that rape. And then he was incarcerated again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he had
1: a history of restraining orders. So not just like charges and convictions, but beyond that, just um, folks were very wary of him.
0: Yeah, a sick man. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And so I cannot wait to talk to Heather. Yeah. Look forward to her. I don't. I don't feel like
1: insights is the right word, but just it's um, not about
0: like a who done it. I think it's more about healing. Number one, right? Absolutely. How? I mean, I think we all think like that's
1: not going to happen to me or my family. That's
0: the scariest part for me. Is like, how do you not live in fear every day? So she's a mom, right? Or not even in fear, but just how do you not live in
1: like just like a, I would, I feel like I would almost be like in a in like a catatonic state. Like how do you s- how, how do you live? Humanity. Just too. how do you live? How like do you trust if anyone? your sister if this is something that happens to your sister? Right. I I think that that's striking. And and I always look at you know families or folks who have been impacted by stuff like this and think like there's no wrong answer. Right. Like mm-hmm. yeah, she's for some people they can move on and they can have a family and have children, but if I just think, I don't know, right? Like you never know. Mm-hmm. But I think like if that happened, uh, like if I experienced that with a member of my family, I don't know that I would be able to like go on, mm-hmm. <laughs> like leave my house, you know? Are you okay? Yeah,
0: no, I'm just thinking like. <laughs> yeah, it's really how heavy. How are but, we going to do this? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's going to be a really good conversation, I think. Yes. And we will, and so she's recently Plan been ahead. appointed to to the task force for missing people. Right. And so I think that must be a way to deal with your grief for you. So tackle thinking, other other instances and make it better for other people and families. Absolutely, looking looking to
1: it in the sense of not just healing, but then also the ways that communities can help one another and come together in times like this, and then the ways that. Communities can be not just active in when stuff like this does happen, but proactive to make sure it does it. Right. Right. The idea doesn't have to be don't go in the woods by yourself. It should be do not rape and murder women. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. I'm
0: so glad you said that. So
1: turning it around right back to like where women have this obsession, right, with true crime. How do we make our society better? <laughs> it's not just it's not just local.
0: Well, and it's partly making good men aware of the situation. Mm -hmm. I remember when we got my dog, I said, oh, my God, now I can go running on trails in the woods. And Jake was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, I can't do that by myself. And he's like, why not? Yeah. And I was like, because, you know, like Molly Bish, you know, she's this cautionary name. Right. And
1: I mean, that brings us to even to like Princeton, which is not far from here. Vanessa where Right. Like another instance of like a
0: small, a smaller, more rural area. Right. Princeton's Mm -hmm. tiny. Yeah. Um, and so she was a Google employee who's from Princeton and lived in Manhattan but was home for the weekend visiting her parents. And she was just swiped right off the road. Right. So she went for a run. And it's the same thing. It's like you – It just happened. Can to, you go to – you can't go
1: to work. You can't – like Molly Bish was literally going to work. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to work. She's getting dropped off to be a lifeguard where her job was literally
0: – Teach to like, kids
1: to swim. Teach kids to swim and, like, and, and like make sure that people are safe.
0: Yeah. And so one other detail I want to bring it back to is, like, how do people fall into the trap? And I'm so trusting all the time. But they their best theory is that, like, somebody came over to her and asked for a Band-Aid or something, and she opened up the first aid kit, and they just pulled her down. Right? Because if you are a person whose natural inclination is to be a helper, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. All right. So I I hope you will join us um, and support Heather. All of the proceeds will go to the Molly Bish Foundation Mm -hmm. September 30th. We're very excited. I think it's $6 is what they're charging. And that will be a live show. Um, Masks will be required. Yes. I believe, right? And there's only 50 spots, which at first I was like, oh, my God, how are we going to get 50 people to come? But it's not very many. No.
1: Um, and also, we will be outside of the live show. Obviously, if you can't come or if you don't feel comfortable coming, we will have other opportunities to donate to the Molly Bish Foundation. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure that it's something that everyone will have access to, regardless of if you want to or feel comfortable with coming to uh,
0: a live and event. We'll you post know. the audio too. Yep. So, yes. I know. What a weird time. <laughs> it just keeps getting weirder, Molly. Indeed. <sighs> well, thank you for listening. We were like, maybe this will just be a mini show. I know. But you know what? I reading things always
1: takes me a shorter time, right? Than like mm-hmm. listening or talking. Um but yeah,
0: I've been Molly and I've been Sarah. This was pop